America needs a tidal wave of the old-time religion. I have sinned against you. How dare you! We have no need to doubt God. The heart of Babylon is preparing the nations to receive the Antichrist. I didn't even build that house with money from the church. I built it with money from my book. I don't make this stuff up. Repenting of your sin. It is a moral issue. They got together and swore a pact to the devil. I just enjoy seeing people worship, praising God. Hey, everybody, and welcome to... Believe It. Or not? I'm Trevor Pullman. And I'm Damian Debbing. And sometimes we believe it. But most of the time... We, we not. not. <laughs> uh, how's it? How's it going, Demo? Oh, it's going all right. You know, it's a bright, sunshiny day right now. It is. Well, I guess you know, a little overcast in some places, but hey, you know, we take the good with the bad, and sometimes you know, you got to take a few clouds with the sunshine. Hmm. It's like the, that old saying: "You take the good, you take the bad, you take it all, and then you have the facts of life." Do they say that? The facts of life. I've never seen that. Oh, okay. It was uh, it was a good show. It was like these women or girls, I guess, living in a house. I was like four when it was canceled, so. Right. Um, did they actually have any real facts of life in it? That's a good question. Did anyone uh, fact check the facts of life? Listen, if you could go ahead and fact check the facts of life, that would really help mm. us out here at the Belief It or Not podcast. I mean, if they were really the facts of life, they should have put them in a book or something and released them to people. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if they ever did. If they did, oh. then, well, that's good. We need to get on that. We need to get up in that, get, get on that. Get up in it, get on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have the facts of life. So, do you ever listen to the podcast Criminal? I have, yeah. Yeah, it's a good podcast. Mm-hmm. It's one of my, like, ones that I make sure I listen to every time there's a new episode out. And also, Phoebe Judge it just has the most soothing voice. <laughs> Uh, but they did an episode about Robert Smalls. He was a slave. He stole a ship and then fled with his family to the Union Army uh, during the war. He s- stole his like battleship and pretended to be a captain or whatever. And so this fascinating story. And they talk about in the in the podcast how like, that story is never really told in history class in America. There's it's like mostly white stories. Right. When I was like, yeah, that's true. And then I was looking at our history of, of the podcast and I was like, we've been pretty white <laughs> mm-hmm. in what we've talked about too. So uh, first of all, apologies for not, you know, representing other other perspectives, other cultures and stuff. I think I was thinking about like, I think the only black preacher we talked about was um, the guy who started Azusa Street. And then we regularly make fun of Preflo Dollar. So, mm-hmm. and I was like, what's a, what's a great, you know, black leader we can talk about. And I found this guy uh, named Richard Allen, who was one of the first uh, ordained black preachers in America. And I thought we would talk a bit about him. Sounds like a plan. I I will say one thing. um, We talk about a lot of people who I don't find to be good people or savory characters. That's true. In a way, being uh, being less representative of them, in in my mind, is a good thing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> We're just uh, full of shitty white people in religion. So yeah. that's, you know what? I, I look at it from that perspective. Does skew to shitty white people. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. This guy wasn't that shitty. <laughs> His name is Richard Allen. He was born in fe- on February 14th, Valentine's Day of uh, 1760. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really, they know he was either born in Philadelphia or... Or he was born in Delaware on his owner's plantation. They're not really sure which, mm-hmm. but it's debated. So he was a slave, born into slavery. His name was uh, just 
Negro Richard. Oh. Didn't have a last name or anything, which is, uh, that's some Huckleberry Finn shit right there. Mm-hmm. When he was seven years old, his owner or whatever, his master sold his family to a guy named uh, Stokely Sturges. And then this guy, a few years later, was having some financial issues and sold uh, Richard's mother and two of his siblings. So he was left with a brother and a sister, I believe, mm-hmm. on the Sturgis plantation. Yeah. When, he get, when he's 17, this Methodist preacher starts going around preaching about freeing slaves. A guy named Freeborn Gerritsen. Richard really grasped onto this and was like the first time he heard like a white person going around saying, hey, we shouldn't have slaves. Yeah. Really was interested in the Methodist church after that. So we started attending a church. Mm-hmm. And he was just so impressed with how often they preached against slavery and that he eventually converted and became a Methodist. And this like really impressed his his master or his owner or whatever, which is a disgusting thing to think about that people right. were so owned. The thing that... Yeah. that- made the master or whatever like him was his devotion to a western religion yeah exactly yeah 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 and eventually he converted sturgis as well and he started he taught himself to read and write because obviously like it was illegal at the time for for black people to to read and write so he taught himself how to read and write and began reading scriptures began writing sermons and stuff he so he gets sturgis to convert become a Methodist, Sturgis starts feeling guilty about owning slaves and realize, oh, this is a sinful thing. I shouldn't own slaves. But he was also, he didn't have a lot of money and slaves cost money. So he didn't just like free his slaves, but he did offer them the opportunity to buy their freedom. Mm -hmm. He let Richard get jobs like outside of their plantation or whatever. Yeah. And so he was able to save up money to free him and his siblings. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like this weird, it's a step in the right direction, but it's also like... I'll let you buy your freedom. Yeah, exactly. It's such a shady kind of bullshit thing to do. It really is. It's because like the freeborn owned slaves, freeborn Garrison owned slaves. And then during the Revolutionary War, he started realizing that owning people is is awful and sinful. Yep. Uh, He like his kind of reasoning is like we're fighting for our freedom while while keeping other people in. Yeah, in bondage. bondage. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He just freed his slaves. He didn't like make them buy their freedom or whatever. Right. But I mean, I I get that he might have been in financial straits, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Did you really have a change of heart, or did you have a half change? And yeah. You still wanted to make money. Well, have you seen Twelve Years a Slave? I actually have not. Okay, it's a good movie, but yeah, there's a part where mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender, who's like just a shitty, shitty slave owner, kept saying like, mm-hmm. "I would free you, but." I have a mortgage on you, and I, I I still have to pay that mortgage. So, well, you know, money and debt means more than people. So. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's disgusting. Right, that's that's just the way the world works, right? Look at the way businesses are treating their employees during COVID. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Profit over people. Oh, yeah, well, that's the way it's been. So, it's really fucking shitty. So then, in 1780, he got his freedom. He paid his last installment to Sturgis, became free, changed his name from Negro Richard. Ugh. to Richard Allen. He chose the last name Allen. Mm-hmm. He was qualified as a preacher in 1784, so I guess there's like a licensing and stuff with uh, the Methodist Church. Him and one other black person were at this conference where he was licensed to to preach. Mm-hmm. They were not allowed to vote on whether he could preach, the two black people. So it was like right. this welcoming, you know, we include all people. We don't see you as less than or whatever, but also you can't vote. Well, I mean, at the time, too, women also couldn't, so. That's true, yeah. 
baby steps, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, then he was uh, he started preaching, going around preaching at different churches, and then eventually landed a job in 1786 at St. George Methodist Episcopal Church. They gave him like the early morning time slot, I guess, um, the early morning prayer services. So it wasn't like the regular church service, but he could start preaching at the you know the right. early morning service. So this started attracting more and more both freed black people and uh, slaves. More and more people of color were coming into the church because they loved hearing him preach. But mm-hmm. the white congregants, um, even though they kept saying, you know, we're all-inclusive, started to get uncomfortable having to sit next to black people on Sunday mornings. Right. And so with the guise of... Well, we're getting more and more people, which is great and awesome. So we need to build a balcony so that we have more places to see people. So, you know, the black congregants volunteered to help out, like along with obviously some white congregants, but a number of black congregants uh, volunteered to help build this thing. And then it turns out, oh, by the way, you can only sit in the balcony now. Yeah. So they were segregated into the balcony. And uh, they did this for a while where it was like, okay, whatever. And then there's this other guy. So there's this other preacher, a uh, black preacher at the church as well, named Absalom. Absalom Jones. I am having trouble with these words today. So another Methodist preacher who was attending the church said, hey, listen, this isn't right. I'm going to see what happens if I just sit with the rest of the congregants on the main floor. Mm-hmm. The way Alan describes it in his book is that nothing really happened they went through the whole worship service. Everybody was singing the hymns or whatever. And then um, when it came time to pray, they you know they started praying. People knelt to pray. And th- right. there just starts to be a commotion where somebody's like, you have to you have to go up to the balcony. And like trying to be quiet at first. And he's like, no, I'm not going to go up to the balcony. Can, can we hold this conversation till after prayer? Like, do you have to interrupt me praying right now? So they uh, like they kept arguing and then it got louder and louder. And then he's like, if I, if I have to sit in the balcony, then I'm not attending this church anymore. And um, so Absalom Jones and uh, Richard Allen and all the black congregants stood up and left the church. Right. And so, they, yeah, they had a mass walkout. And, and then they're like, okay, well, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I get why they would walk out. But in a way, it almost seems that's what the people who wanted them to move wanted yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Mm-hmm. And it's so hypocritical too because the the reason they had so many black congregants was because they've been preaching equality and preaching that slavery was wrong and then Right. Well, it's not it's not equality. It's it's uh rights that they wish to bestow upon them while still keeping them. Yeah you know, below them. Actually, even in the criminal episode about Robert Smalls, they were talking about just people at the time were so it was so ingrained in them that people of color were less than right. and not as smart and not really human that it was like so ingrained in the culture as a way to justify owning human beings even people who were like no slavery's wrong still had this like culturally ingrained idea that yeah that black people were less than and were mm-hmm. like not as smart as them and stuff so right because it's like even with with everything going on now, you you see so many people who just don't want to recognize their own like internal racism, mm-hmm. and even like just biases, like things that it's not like you know when you say that people have this like 
bias or have you know ra- racist tendencies or whatever mm-hmm. people seem to think that you know you're equating them with a kkk member as opposed to no, no. you're just saying that you have things that you were taught or you uh, learned just through society that you're that are affecting other people and affecting the way you view other people mm-hmm. and we need to recognize that in order to fix that right right Yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, I understand that it's, uh, it can be a hard thing for people to come to terms with sometimes. Yeah. Especially when, you know, you, you hold this belief that you are a good or nice person. I mean, it's not trying to say that you're not, it's, there's, there's more to it than that. And some of these things are so internalized and so subconscious and subliminal that it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that there are things that need to change. Yeah, exactly. After they left, they started the Free African Society, which is non-denominational, and it's less of a church and more of just a, a group of people who mm-hmm. kind of organized with under the the idea that we should all be free. Yeah. Slavery is not, not good. You know, it was a way to raise money to support, you know, buying people's freedom or sneaking them to Canada or like things like that. And uh, and they and then he also started. He saved up enough money and bought a bought a piece of land and started building the Mother Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church, which uh, they built. And it's still that church. It's still the same church, and it is the oldest building in America to be consistently owned by African Americans. Really? Yeah. So wow. That's it. It's pretty cool. And. Uh, and so, so they built this church, and then the the Methodist Church they they ch- decide to join the Methodist Church as mm-hmm. like the do- denomination. Yeah. Jones doesn't. Jones starts his own church, but he's like, I don't want to deal with them anymore after this. So he starts his own church. But Alan, his his idea was, yes, we had an awful experience at this church, and it was it was a disgusting way to be treated. But they're the only denomination that's actively preaching against slavery. Mm-hmm. So it just seemed like the logical one to join. Because he also had experience with other churches within the denomination. Yep. So he's like, you know, it's just bad apples or whatever. And also they had a simpler, I guess, doctrine and not as rooted in like creeds and and all these things they have to like repeat and all these like mm-hmm. extra things. It was just like a simplified gospel and he's like you know for people who are have never been allowed to read and write and we're trying to get people to be able to read and write i'd rather have kind of a a simpler way to teach them yeah and so that was kind of his thinking with joining the methodist church i find that sorry i I, just a little side note i find that so interesting that you're like exploring which denomination to follow yeah and and you just see like how shitty and terrible people are and these belief systems are but they're all shades of the same like the same thing yeah exactly so i i I would almost feel like the more you're like looking and seeing like no this isn't right this isn't right why would you think any of them would be right at that point i I mean for me it's 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 kind of like well if if i'm looking to pick this thing but everything that i'm seeing is awful why would i want to pick one that doesn't seem as awful. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and yeah, so and then the Methodist Church comes in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we're going to actually, uh, you, since you're in the Methodist church now, we're going to replace you as a preacher. We're going to put a white preacher in. Right. And they're, they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> and it ended up going all the way to the, the, like the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. And the Supreme Court was like, no, you can't force them to, they own the building. <laughs> you yeah. can't just force him out if the whole congregation wants him to be in there. Like, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. So... And yeah, the Methodists just, just treated them shitty all around. So they eventually left the Methodist church and he got together with Jones and other black preachers and they started their own congregation, uh, sort of mm-hmm. their own denomination called the AME, which was the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So the first right. black denomination in America. Mm-hmm. What what year What year was that? Uh, 1807. 1807 was the first black denomination. Oh, sorry. It looks like uh looks like it was 1816. 1807 was the was the Supreme Court ruling. Right, 1816. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, so they used this it was a denomination but it was also a way to to organize for things like the underground railroad and funding a lot of mm-hmm. people fled to Canada so they would find ways to fund communities in Canada from Pennsylvania right. to give them a start to their freedom and stuff. And it also just became a safe place for people to come who wanted to be free or had run away from their their slave owners. And mm-hmm. it just became this, like, it's not just a church denomination. It just became this network, this African-American rights kind of network, yeah. which is yeah. pretty cool. It was a, a unifying body. Exactly. There was also a lot of organizations trying to push that uh, to get black people to move to Africa. So, like, to kind of create their own society and get out of the clutches of slave-owning white people. Right. But he was kind of against that. He was more for just changing America. He's like, well, you know, he was born there. He's just as American as anybody else. Yeah, yeah of course. He's, it was just as much his right to be there yeah. as anyone else's. Then it was on April 10th of 1816, so the mm-hmm. same year they started that denomination, they voted for him to be the bishop of the organization, which made him the first black bishop in America. Oh, wow. Maybe the world. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, as far as the hierarchy goes, what, where where does a bishop lie? I, it depends on the on the church. It's like, it's like, it's like a regional manager, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> you know? Like a, at Starbucks or whatever, how you yeah, have yeah. your... Yeah. Like in the area, they would take care of a certain amount of churches kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. And then they, they, do they report to... Is it a cardinal next? I, I, Maybe. See, I, I don't In the really Catholic know. Church, I think it is. Yeah, I think it would be, the next up would be a cardinal. And then, like, district manager, regional manager, and then, yeah. <laughs> like, I think I think that's kind of how it goes. I feel like in this denomination, because it was so small, the bishop was the highest. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the highest in the in the denomination, so they just, like, bishop was the top one. Yeah, we should probably look into that. Because um, yeah. I, I don't know what the church hierarchy goes. I know there's a pope. And yeah, some, there's and a pope, <laughs> and there's cardinals, and there's priests, and there's uh, yeah. monks. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll look into it. So, yeah, he mostly preached about, you know, abolition. Yep. But one of his biggest things was education, like just getting people educated, getting them to 
learn to read and write, all the things that were denied to them in the past, because this will give like a step forward and, and show people that they can be just as educated as anybody else and accomplish just as much as anybody else oh, and kind of change that the, the narrative that people had mm-hmm. at the time and just, you know, just give people a chance. <laughs> yep. 1830, they had this big convention called the Negro Convention, and it was a meeting of just a bunch of different African-American leaders within within the states. I think they had seven states represented. And it was also a, like a, a reaction to in 1829 in Cincinnati, there was riots mm-hmm. with white people destroying black businesses and stuff like that. Which I'm sure social media was just all about, like, you know, people saying, this isn't proving your point or whatever. Um, Right. You know, the 1829 social media. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 1830, that big thing started and it, you know, created a lot of good things going forward and was one of the first kind of organized conventions of that size that really, you know, helped move things forward. And I mean, there was still a lot of work to to be done. It was 1830, and we know that slavery wasn't abolished and, uh, across the states until 1865. But definitely, like, helped it state by state, kind of move into, you know, getting rid of slavery. Mm-hmm. And then he died in 1931, mm-hmm. and you can still visit his. Um, he has an esophagus. Is that that's not sarcophagus? <laughs> what is the, sarcophagus <laughs> he has a, his esophagus is on display oh he has a sarcophagus on display in the church in bethel um him and his wife he was married twice his first wife died after and they were married 10 years mm-hmm. and then he he married again and it was with his second wife that he had children and stuff right but so their their bodies are still like part of the museum section of the of the church now wow they have like a kind of like a black history museum or maybe just a history of the church mm-hmm. museum within the church. Which is a, a black history, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Really interesting character, really interesting person. It's I'm a little surprised that I had never heard of him before or I had heard of him and I, you know, yeah, didn't give him as much thought as, mm-hmm. as he deserves. But definitely... Uh, an interesting person, and I think this story definitely has a lot of parallels to mm-hmm. well, just you, what's going on right now. You said you hadn't heard, really heard about him. Um, did you get a lot of American history as far as the church goes in your schooling? Because you were you were in a Canadian school, so yeah, no, we didn't. I do remember, mm-hmm. yeah, like Christian history class was very much early Christianity. Right. There was also, you know, some things like. We heard, we learned about Azusa Street and we mm-hmm. learned about some of like how the nomination started and stuff, but it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of detail about right. what happened, you know, in the last couple hundred years, mm-hmm. just very like. I, I was just checking to see like how, how it compares to what, what you kind of experienced with it. You didn't even really get any much Canadian uh, history, did you at all as well? No. Yeah. I knew some of it because our school was it was started by one denomination and then it merged with a school from another denomination so there was like two overseeing denominations for this school and then they were going to join another university a christian university which was you know run by another denomination so it would they would be like a board of three or whatever. And then, so we learned a little bit about each of their history and stuff. That seems, it seems to be such a glaring omission. 
yeah. not just like people of color or anything like that, but just a more modern, like contemporary and local history about what you're trying to teach people. Exactly. You, you would think that if if you want people to be able to talk to the people in their communities and their neighborhoods, you should at least know a bit about those communities and those neighborhoods. And if yeah. if you're if you're only teaching up to like what like the 1700s or something some yeah. dumb shit like that, how how are you supposed to truly engage with the realities of today? And yeah, cuz if you're not learning about mm-hmm. you know people like Richard Allen or, or other kind of leaders who started these things, you're gonna, mm-hmm. you're gonna see these kind of things repeating. And well, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, and I'm not saying that learning the older stuff isn't also a valuable thing, but it needs to be done yeah. in conjunction with exactly with these other, like we learn about Augustine, but we don't learn about, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, like you said, this was this, this was the, like the first black church in America. That's, that's yeah. That's, that's not a, that's significant. a very significant yeah. moment in time, especially yeah during slavery. It, like yeah, that's not a small feat, and that's not necessarily something you'd think would be so ignored. And it, it's funny too, like when you think about how churches that are starting to be inclusive of LGBTQ, right, and how they're still like because like. We talked about how the Anglican Church, you can be ordained, but then last year they had a, a conference where they invited their spouses, but they said that the same-sex spouses couldn't come. Kind of that idea of, like, are you inclusive? No. And it felt the same with, like, the Methodist Church. Like, yes, we welcome everybody, but also sit at the back. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like an apology with a but. Yeah, it's not, exactly. It's not an apology if you have to say, I'm sorry, but. All right, any other thoughts on my friend uh, Richard Allen? Well, it sounds like he's someone who pushed his way through a lot of adversity to really do something for his community and for a lot of people who had no way of doing it themselves. So mm-hmm. I think we, yeah. we need to hear more stories from people like that, and uh, yeah. I think it's an important one. I agree, I agree. Uh, I'll try to... Tell more positive stories on here, too. Yeah, we do do a lot yeah. of downers and a lot of, you know, ding-dongs yeah. and jerks. But, yeah. Speaking of uh, downers, uh-huh. let's move into the segment. Is it uh, Downer of the Week? Downer of the Week, it's uh, the Lord's Law. Just stay away from the three-bean salad. You're not the boss of me. Do. So do you want to hear what the Lord says about uh, slavery? Uh, oh, I'm I'm uh, afraid to find out. I copied a couple verses. Usually I just do one for this segment. but Yeah, I, th- I think I might have heard some of these before. This one I, I might have. Okay, but let's, let's hear it. And this is also like what, you know, these verses were used in America to justify slavery. Yes. I'll actually start with the, with the one that probably Richard Allen would use to say that the Bible was against slavery. Um, that's, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then uh, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So basically, all people are equal in Christ. Right. 
that didn't change the laws. That didn't mean you weren't literally a slave. You were still a slave. It's just like as a Christian, you're you know you're not qualified as that when you're in church, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. But you could still be owned. Um, Ephesians six verse five says, "Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with sincere heart, as you would Christ." Yeah. Right. Leviticus. 25 verse 44 to 46 says, uh, as for you, male and female slaves whom you have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. You may also buy from among the strangers who sojourn with you and their clans that with you who have been born in your land and they may be your property. You may bequeath them to your sons after you inherit uh, as, as a possession forever. You may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule one over another ruthlessly. Okay, so this seems like it was something written at a time where slavery was very rampant amongst all nations, and it was used as a way to justify doing so. And, uh, you know, it's a way to keep people in power and keep other people out of power. So... Yep. uh, This is is my problem with these kind of uh, texts and then people interpreting them literally today. Yeah. Is like this was written two thousand years ago by by people trying to justify shitty behavior. Yeah, and then so now apologists will go in and say, "Oh no, this the the Bible didn't condone slavery. It, it was just like indentured servitude." But like if you look at that verse, that's clearly not what it was. It was clearly slavery. Also, what's the what's the main difference between slavery and indentured servitude? Yeah, not much. Yeah, <laughs> and they said the argument too is that no, after six years you have to be let free. But that's only for if you own another Israelite. And that's the indentured servitude thing, because you weren't allowed to have a, a Israelite as a slave, but you could... Just for six years. Could, yeah. But then if they got married and had kids during those six years, you still you would still own those kids. Yeah. Yeah. Here's one. If the ox scores a slave, male or female... The owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. Okay, so if if the ox kills a slave, yeah, then they have to pay for the slave, and then they put the, the ox down. Very clearly, too, just putting a financial burden on it. Yeah. It's not stoned because it killed a person. It's stoned because it damaged property. Yeah. Like, that's really how it's worded. It's like what we said earlier. Um, uh, money is more important than people. Yeah, and people as property, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and I mean this isn't a new concept. This is this is something that's been going on for thousands of years. But yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, it's bullshit. Um, eh, I'm not going to read anymore. They're just super depressing. The, these kind of verses were definitely used at the time, and now apologetics has to wiggle their way out of it. And I mean, the main thing you say is that was the old covenant. This is the new covenant, but it's in the new testament too like it's yeah slavery is just seen as a as a okay thing my my thing about that is like oh it's in the old testament but not the new testament well you still use the old testament exactly for part of your belief system people will use like leviticus to say that homosexuality is wrong and then when they're challenged on something like this they're like well that was the old covenant it's like well we'll pick one (laughs) yeah like if you if you believe that the old one doesn't mean anything then you should only be following the new testament and the old one is old and obsolete but it's it's half of the bible it's the it's like you you got two parts of it and this is what you believe in you can't say that half of your beliefs are old and then still use them that doesn't make any sense 
I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is just like treat people better. Yeah. And don't use a book, an old book from thousands of years ago to justify bad behavior. Oh, great. Now I got to get rid of my Aesop Fables book. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, Nothing I can it do. It's the only book I use to know what I'm doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Well. For, for me, it's the Book of Mormon. Uh, that one's a little more recent, so, you know, maybe that's okay, no, that, isn't it? No, it was, uh, Joseph Smith translated it recently from the Golden Plates. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that is true. <laughs> uh, well, we have fun, don't we? <laughs> we do. Uh, listen, if anybody is in America that's listening to this, can you do us a favor and leave a review? We have one American review, mm. and it's not flattering, so if somebody can help <laughs> us out, that'd be awesome. Well, uh, I mean, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, good reviews, bad reviews. It, this yeah. is more about, uh, you know, having a discussion about these things and learning and maybe having people yeah. start to have a discussion about these things too. So if we get a review, we get a review. That's true. I mean, that's another thing I don't talk about as often um, is that I'm not, we're not, like we used to say it all the time, we're not experts, we just Google this stuff. It's mm-hmm. still in like the... Um, the description, but the reason I wanted to do this was because I wanted to learn more. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and I'm, you know, this gives me a way to consistently do this and consistently, you know, learn something about this thing I used to be super involved in. Yeah. And, and to have conversations about things that uh, some people have all the time, but uh, someone like myself, I, I never really have these conversations about these topics. Yeah. One, because they're they're not part of my immediate life. Uh, they never have mm-hmm. been, and I don't see them being so in my future. But I still think it's yeah. an important thing because it is it is something that um, billions of people uh, look to in their lives. Yeah, yeah. Billions of people look to it and don't always take the time to look at how they got to where they are, like how this religion was shaped over right. so many years. And it's... Uh, uh-huh. I don't know, something interesting to, to think about. Yeah. With that being said, have a wonderful day. And if it's sunny where you are, maybe go for a nice walk. Uh, at a social distance. At a social distance, yes. Yeah. yes. And wear your masks, wash your hands, and uh, have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye. Work, 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 Sky Moon. <laughs> the St. George Methodist Episcopal. I'm going to start that over again. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it.